0: path of freedom. It's a... It's a joyful path and a path of many tears, both. But whichever whichever way we travel, the ending of the path or the place of rest is a place of peace and a place of freedom. And the, the... teaching the truth that the Buddha discovered through his strong endeavours was a truth that is always apparent. So the qualities of the Dhamma, apparent here and now, that's like always, apparent here and now, timeless, inviting us to come and see for ourselves, leading inwards and onward, to be experienced individually by the wise. So the wise being the wisdom within each of us, not someone else. So the the Dhamma that he discovered is is here, is present, is imminent, it's awaiting our attention, it's awaiting our discovery of what is always present here and now. So the peace that we seek on this path is. Right here. So that this uh, the question is, you know, how do we? How come we're not? Well, maybe you are actually. It's possible that you are resting in that peace. Um, and we do from time to time. And that's what keeps us going. Often, you know, we get those tastes of, of peacefulness, and then it's and we know and the, sort of the heart knows what that's like, and so then we. We keep returning. We keep coming back to, to the practice and to the struggles and the joys of practice. So, um, you know, some what. So this peace is is always here. It's always accessible. But it's our wanting and not wanting and our confusion that obscures that peace. They're wanting things to be other than how they are. Not wanting things to be how they are. And then there's the, you know, there's, there are those exciting moments where, you know, or those uplifting moments or like peak moments where there's something really lovely happens. It might be something that we see or something that we hear or something that we taste or something that we touch. Um... That's delightful or exciting, and uh, and then we get immediate. You I know, mean, we get an immediate gratification from that, and that gratification makes us feel like, ah, maybe this is where the joy is. Maybe the joy is in the the beautiful flower, or in the delicious meal, or in the moment of sweet contact. The joy is there. So then we keep going back to that same thing again and again to try and get more of that joy. Or it might be some of us may have found joy or a a pseudo-peace in alcohol or in drugs, in various kinds of addiction. So it's always that seeking for joy and seeking for gratification and seeking for peace that, that gets us kind of caught into that in the first place because we, we we all want that. Human beings seek happiness. All beings, actually, seek happiness. And so we look for it in, in all kinds of places and, and we find it for a moment or two, a day or two maybe, if we're really lucky. And then it changes. And uh, so the Buddha's pointing to this this reality uh, with great compassion understanding that we all seek peace and we all seek well-being we all seek happiness and we often look in the wrong places for it or we look for it in in you know it, either in places that harm us where we we get uh, hurt or in places where It just can't give us what we're looking for for very long. So there's a a practice which is the fourth of the vipalasa, a practice of a suba. The suba means beautiful. And most of us enjoy what is beautiful, take delight in what is beautiful. And uh, Asuba is seeing the unbeautiful. So why would anyone want to do that? You know, if, if the beautiful is making you feel good and feel nice, then why would he want to look at the unbeautiful? Well, because it's here too. Because it's part of the picture. So in the one of the first, I think the first talk I gave, I gave this. Uh, speaking about the rose, you know, in terms of permanence and impermanence, and we see a beautiful rose, and it's a sort of sweet scent, and we want to keep it, we want to capture it, we want to manufacture more and more, you know, and then we lose the, the essence and the beauty of, the essence of that beauty of the rose by trying to capture it. So we can do that by, you know, manufacturing fake roses, but we also do it in, you know, in the, um, with, with the actual rose itself. So there's this question, I think it possibly was Thich Nhat Hanh who asked the question what is the perfection of a rose? So just think for a moment, ask yourself that question. If you don't like roses, you can put, use another flower. What is the perfection of a rose or of a flower for you? I think of a. Actually, um, there was a, a very special rose bush just outside the nun's office in Amravati that had the most exquisitely really beautiful roses. I don't know if it's still there. Lovely, beautiful colours and a very lovely scent, and very full and rich. And uh, we'd, we could watch them blossoming over the days. And there would be certain moments, so like when the bud was just opening, where it would be so beautiful. And then where when it was just that it's kind of perfect, where it seemed like, you know, just like it's petals are all still young and strong and they're just open, and the scent is being released from the roses like, oh, that's just so perfect. And then of course it keeps going. The rose keeps blossoming. And uh, at some point it's it's old and starts to lose its petals, and then the petals fall to the ground and the and then they turn brown and a little bit slimy and start to decay and become the earth again. So we often think the perfection of a rose is. is we might think like, oh, it's at this point. It's just when the bud's starting to open, or it's just when it's at its fullness. And uh, and this is this is trying. To, this is where we kind of try to take snapshots of the whole picture and just. Keep that bit as what's real, and the Buddha is really inviting us to no look at the whole picture, look at the whole picture because that's where you'll find peace. When you look at the whole picture, you're attuned with the the way things are, not having to hold on to this bit and push away that bit. So the perfection of a rose is is in the bud, and in the beginning of blossoming, and in the fullness and then the opening more fully, and in the aging petals, and in the falling of petals, and then the decay back to the earth. This is the perfection of a rose, the whole, the whole process. Not uh, grasping any of it and not pushing any of it away, but being with the whole process. But getting to know how we hold on to the bits we like you know we've try to grasp hold of make them last longer and try to keep away the bits we don't like of this natural process and you know with our own bodies you know we can we can have uh, you know when, when the body's young and healthy and Flexible and great, you, know, you can really enjoy. You can flaunt your body, and and uh, it's something you know. So you can explore the you know, the the uh, what what kind of body do? You know, going to sports or dance or exploring the um, possibilities of a body, and then inevitably over time the body. Gets a little bit stiffer and a little bit uh, less resilient, and uh, one's health, you know, doesn't bounce back quite as well as it used to. And uh, then there can be a sense of grieving of the loss of the of what was once, because we identified with that as me and mine. We thought this is me, and I'm like this really cool or maybe we didn't feel so great about our body. And that identification is, is the is the core the source of suffering. So this practice of asuba is it's like we don't have to wait until we've we've our body is giving us that teaching directly by being older and stiffer and greyer and saggier and less resilient, which if we live long enough will come to all of us. But we can reflect right now on the, on the nature of the body. And uh, you know, it's, it's an organism. It's an amazing organism, it's an amazing system, incredibly complex, way more sophisticated than any of us could manufacture or, or work out how to run if we had to figure it out. It's nature at work. So something like the skin. You know, we might have really beautiful skin and really uh, take a lot of care around our skin and maybe love this skin. Or we may th- not like our skin and think it's that there's something wrong with our skin. It should be different to how it is. So we're identifying with the skin the surface, and and the world also identifies with it. This is this does also happen where the world responds to us differently depending on our exterior presentation. So getting to know the skin as skin. It's an org. It's an organ. It breathes. It. Uh, releases sweat to help us cool down. It has oils, greases. It's constantly changing. So anyone I don't know if anyone's in on the has a chore of, of, of a yogi job of sweeping. But when he sweep, so every day at our monastery we sweep the kitchen at the end of the meal after the cleanup, we sweep the floor. And every day there's this little heap of stuff, you know. <laughs> like that? every day, amazing. And then you look at if you really look at what's in there. There's you know, little bits of clothing that have maybe some. We take our shoes off, so there's not a lot of walk in dirt. Bits of maybe a few bits of food that have dropped, and then there's skin and hair of the people who live in the monastery. That's dust. Is made of that. So all the time the skin is sloughing off its cells and creating new cells constantly. So to reflect on that aspect of the skin, the non beautiful, it's not ugly, it's not disgusting, but it's not beautiful either, it's just nature. And when we go forth, in our first going forth is called papajar, going forth. As monastics, we're given this reflection on hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, and skin. So we're invited to reflect on these five aspects of the body, which are the the exterior. You know, it's the, it's the part that we take care of and think of as me and mine. And uh, to reflect on the nature of hair. You know, what is what is the nature of hair? Hair of the head. You know, the hair of the head is. If you have a beautiful head of hair, it'll be very attractive, and uh, you take good care of the hair, and it's really lovely and beautiful. And then, for many people, at some point, it starts to get thin, falls out. You know, you might find yourself bald, or. Um, just the hair is thinner, and then maybe it loses its color at some point. And this is is the way it goes. And if you don't wash your hair for a little while, it starts to smell bad. And this is the nature of the hair. The hair of the body, you know, it's like where it's supposed to be and where it's not supposed to be. The body has hair. People spend enormous amounts of time trying to stop hair growing where it grows in order to look beautiful. <laughs> it's just hair growing; it's natural. Nails—our fingernails and toenails—you know the the whole uh, nail industry now is—it's uh, very creative. I, I must say, I do enjoy. I enjoy seeing uh, people's creative nails. You know, well, they're not really nails; so they stick-on nails. But I, it's fun; it's a fun thing. And you know, underneath there are the actual nails. And what are they? They're just like if we if we didn't cut them, if we just let them grow and grow and grow, get pretty disgusting after a while. They're dead skin. You know, they're dead, dead stuff. And then we kind of like, oh, I've got such nice nails. It's, my cuticles, or, you know. It's like, well, it's just nails. And when we cut that, when we go and cut our nails, we don't like keep those. And oh, <coughs> my beautiful nails. It's like, yeah, just chuck those away in the bin. So the reflection on on nails and teeth. Teeth is a big one, isn't it? So probably here in the room, there are some people who don't have teeth anymore. And the uh, people who have partial teeth, I have quite a lot of partial teeth. Roots are still there, but the crowns are, are fake. And, uh, you know, the teeth can be a big problem. Especially now that, especially anyone who's grown up eating sugar and sodas and stuff like that, it's... The teeth decay. So uh, reflecting on the on the nature of teeth. In America, it's a bit teeth is a big thing in this country to have nice teeth and have a nice smile. It's a big deal, and uh, you know, so that can be great for a while, but at some point, it's not going to be great anymore. Something's a tooth is going to fall out. It's going to get chipped they're going to rot, they're going to hurt, the gums swell up. You know, it's like, this is how it goes, natural. There's nothing wrong with that, it's, it's the way of things. So, uh, so we spend enormous amounts of money trying to make the teeth look nice, even though they're actually falling out. But just reflecting on the nature of teeth, they're very useful for eating. Wonderful. But they are just that. In the, one of the reflections on the 32 parts of the body, um, oh, they, they do have their own category, actually. Yeah, I was going to say that they're, they're considered part of the bones, but not, not so much in that system, but more in the meditation system of, on, the, on bones. The teeth would just be considered part of, part of your bones. And, um, and then the skin, you know, how we relate to this skin. I've always found it's kind of, you know, I have white skin and it's extremely impractical. You kind of constantly have to cover yourself from the sun, especially living in California. It's, it's, it's very, very bad design this cult for here and um, and in this country a lot of a lot of uh, weight is put on skin colour the shade of the skin when you really reflect on what skin is that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever Skin is an organ, it's it's, uh, it's part of nature. It's evolved in different ways, in different hemispheres because of the weather, how much sun there is and how little sun there is. So uh, there is this mysterious and somewhat uh, frustrating Thing of you know the, the, the um, situation where we are related to from how we look on the outside, and so the world meets us and responds to us differently based on what based on those five things: hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, and skin. The world relates to us on that level, and we are so much so much more than that. That is, you know, that's actually those five things are just universal qualities that all human beings have. Even not all human beings have hair and have teeth, but still, you know, we start off with hair and teeth, usually. So, uh, just reflecting on that, you know, how much suffering there can be around those five, any of those five external attributes or uh, body body parts and it's 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 a very useful practice to just you, know, you can do maybe spend even 5 minutes just reflecting on the nature of hair just as as a meditation the nature of hair and then one's own relationship to one's own hair that's an interesting practice or the nature of um, skin and one's own relationship to one's own skin or the the nature of teeth and one's own relationship to one's own teeth and so on just to spend some time really reflecting on how do we how do we hold this and how do we identify with this or not, and in our in our, on our in our in our own, you know, our five body parts, and then the five body parts of others. You know, so we see somebody really beautiful, and then we're just like, oh look at that person. You know, we are suddenly we're caught and we're drawn in, and all we can see is their is their good looks. And we can't really see what's underneath that. So uh, this is where we get pulled around, where the mind gets pulled around by by that instant, this idea of instant gratification. You know, we see someone beautiful and then we're just attracted. Or we see some delicious food and we just want to have it. Or when we leave here, you know, go into a store and you see a nice outfit and if I If I have that outfit, everything's going to be great. But the joy is not in the outfit. The the freedom is not in the outfit. It's not in the meal. It's not in the person. It's in the the heart-mind here. But the Buddha is inviting us to see the reality of things so that we don't again and again run after these uh, elusive gratifications so we have some choice over the matter we can choose we're not just pulled around and pushed around by liking and not liking and every every form has its limitation the body has its limitations it, it uh, it's it's you know it go it, it arises it goes through its process and then it passes away It's then it starts to become very not beautiful not long after it's passed away after the consciousness leaves the body it's quite quickly not beautiful anymore so just to take in those realities the perfection of a rose the perfection of a human body the perfection of a meal through the whole process from beginning to end, and when we take in that whole picture, this supports peace, because peace is found in aligning with truth, with resting into the way things are. And it seems like you know, if, if we if we do that, if we do this asubha practice, not beautiful, then everything's going to get depressing and miserable. And and if it does, then stop doing it, because it's not meant to lead there. But it's really one thing to lead us to a place of balance and and open-mindedness, taking in the whole picture. So part of the reason we've got into the mess we have on this planet Earth, human beings, is because we only want to pick up the nice bits we want to have a nice bit and not attend to the other stuff and so we're you know the way this this earth is designed is to have it's cyclic it involves everything so a meal you know the earth itself is made of excrement and Dead leaves and dead plant matter and dead animal matter. It's 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 made of that. That's what that's what creates the earth. That's that is what the earth is made of. And then the, the plants grow in that, and then they're harvested, and then they um, they become a, they end up on our plate, and then we eat them. And you know, first of all, we eat them with our eyes, and that's, enjoy the visual, and then we. And the scent, and then they eat and enjoy the crunch or the whatever it is, and then and then it goes through the digestive system. So if you had breakfast, that's already going on, going through the digestive system, and then it comes out as excrement, comes out through the through the um, skin actually. Through, that's part of it. Comes out through the skin, through the you know, as, uh, excrement, urine. All of those things, and and we don't like to think about that, and we don't like to talk about that. But because we don't keep the poop in the loop, (laughs) we get into this problem. (laughs) We get into a problem because it's part of the cycle. Part of the cycle. So the Buddha is inviting us: take it all in, look at the whole thing. Don't just get excited about one bit and push all the rest of it away. Take in the whole cycle. Okay, so let's sit for a while. Thank you for listening.